Our second scripture this morning is Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 39. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her at once. He came and took her hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons. The whole city was gathered at the door, and he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go on to the neighboring towns, so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. We celebrate the written word of scripture. Thanks be to God. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Loving God, as we gather around and experience your word, may your word heal all of our broken places so that we can go and embody healing in the world. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, when we stepped into the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, I suggested that we might call it the breathless gospel. In Mark, right from the beginning, Jesus rises up out of the waters of baptism and the action takes off. Jesus does this, and then Jesus does this, and then Jesus does this. The reign of God, the new ordering of power, it is at hand. It is right here. It is right now. One of Mark's favorite words is immediately. And then immediately, and then immediately, that is how this morning's scripture begins. And immediately. Jesus has just been in the synagogue. He has driven out a demon who was tormenting someone. And immediately they make their way to the home of Simon, Peter, and Andrew to their family compound. And then in these action-packed 10 verses in what is less than 24 hours, we see Jesus do just about everything Jesus does. Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law. And then Jesus drives out demon after demon. And then Jesus finds time to pray. And then Jesus keeps on preaching. And then Jesus sets out to the next town immediately, immediately, immediately. There is no time to spare. This is urgent good news coming to life everywhere. This is quite a full day, and it would leave just about anyone breathless. As we considered last week's scripture and God's calling, we kept asking, what does it sound like? This morning, as Jesus proclaims the good news in action after action, we could just as easily ask this reign of God, what does it look like? 
this reign of God, what are all the ways that Jesus lives it out in this one quite full day? Well, first, Jesus heals. Jesus heals Simon Peter's mother-in-law, and yes, this is the story where a woman gets healed, and the first thing she has to do when she gets up is to start serving the men. My colleague, Deb Krause, who Bev Brewster and I know from our work with, in Janie Spar's trial, uh, Deb was an expert witness at Janie Spar's trial, and I ran across something she wrote this week. She says that all she has to do is say that in a Bible study, that this is where a woman gets healed and she has to serve the men, and all the women in the room start nodding. <laughs> Simon's mother-in-law lives in the patriarchal world of their day. Notice that she is not named. Not many women in the Gospel of Mark are. They had names. They just didn't think to write them down in the Bible. Notice that she is identified only by her relationship to men. She is Simon's mother-in-law. Her world is a world of patriarchy and hierarchy. Those things are true. And we are looking here for how the reign of God is breaking in. So let's look just a little closer. Jesus and the disciples leave the synagogue and immediately go to the home of Simon and Andrew. Think family compound. Most folks in that day lived together in extended family. And immediately... They tell Jesus that Simon's mother-in-law is sick. Without a word, Jesus goes to her, takes her by the hand, and raises her up. There's no fancy incantation, no flashy show of strength, just the healing power of human touch. And she rises up. That's a resurrection verb, by the way. Jesus raises her up and she begins serving now. Here comes the quiz. Do you remember, I won't put you on the spot, Lisa. Do you remember what the word for serving is in Greek? I preached the whole sermon on it on November. On, on, meet your deacon Sunday. Deaconing, yes, exactly right. Diakono, her he, serving in the Greek is deaconing, her healing flows into deaconing. We are in Mark chapter 1, and this is already the second time that word has come up. The first was when Jesus is in the desert being tempted, and angels come and deacon him. Angels deacon and minister to Jesus. In the whole gospel of Mark, the only people the only people who deacon, the only people who minister are angels and women. Something is happening in this woman's house, in the midst of this patriarchal world in this house, in this family compound. Compassion and power are coming together to bring healing to this woman's body, and then this woman's body is becoming what one writer calls a conduit of grace. She rises up, and she goes into action. She becomes the one who is bringing life even in this patriarchal world. Jesus heals her, 
and raises her up. And no sooner does she get Jesus fed than the whole city descends upon her doorstep. That's what scripture says at sundown, at the end of their Sabbath rest, the whole city comes to the door. They come to the doorstep, bringing many people with many diseases and with many demons. They bring all the sick and suffering in the whole city. Now the concept of demons that comes to us from their world needs some translating. We think that what they describe as being tormented by demons might map onto what we say when we're talking about mental illness. Jesus brings healing to every bit of us, body and spirit. So when G uh, body and spirit, we are whole beings. But it's also important to say that for them in their world, demons were very real powers. That's how they saw the world. Demons were very real powers at work in the world to do us harm. So when Jesus drives out the demons, he's not only healing. He is taking on the powers of the world and he turns them on their head. Jesus heals. Jesus heals many with many diseases and he drives out many demons. Jesus takes on the powers of the world and he sends them running and we are only halfway through this 24-hour day. And then in this breathless gospel, on this breathless day, Jesus takes a breath. Maybe late into the night he gets a little sleep, but Early in the morning, while it is still dark outside, while everyone else is sleeping, Jesus gets up and he goes away. He goes away to a wilderness place and he prays. Jesus will do this at regular points in the gospel. Amid its driving action, Jesus stops, withdraws, takes a breath, and prays. Not for long. <laughs> The disciples hunt him down. A multitude in need of healing isn't far behind, but Jesus pauses and breathes and prays, and then there's this moment I love. The disciples find him and tell him of the pursuing crowd, and Jesus says, well, let's go in the other direction. Jesus keeps moving forward. He has worthy work to do. The people, they can come and follow, but make no mistake, Jesus is moving forward with and into this urgent good news. Jesus takes a breath, but it is not a breath of disengagement. Jesus is not checking out from the work that there is to do in the world. This breath is the inhale that supplies the air for the exhale. This breath is the breath that sustains. It's like what Howard Thurman describes as the extra breath from the exhausted lung. The one more thing to try when all else has failed, the upward reach of life when weariness closes in upon endeavor. Jesus is fully human, living life in a human body with all its beauty and all its limitation, just like us. And so in the midst of urgent good news and worthy work, Jesus breathes and prays 
and he reconnects and regrounds himself and replenishes his whole self for the continuing journey. And then, immediately, Jesus keeps moving forward in this breathless gospel. This past week, I have been reading and editing the church's annual report. It's actually much more gratifying than it sounds. The final version will be coming to you probably Tuesday ahead of our congregational meeting after worship next Sunday. In this annual report, as they do every year, church leaders, committees, staff, working groups have taken time to describe the ways we have served together over this past year. If I could describe the story that it tells, the meta-narrative that it tells in one word, I might say that it is breathless. I also might say, wow, and thanks be to God for all the things the Spirit is bringing to life here. The annual report describes a year of deaconing. The deacon steadily, quietly giving folks a ride to the hospital, distributing funds to help out with individual needs, taking meals to the sick, comforting families who mourn. You will read of a community fridge that didn't exist a year and a half ago that is now on its second refrigerator. It's on its second refrigerator because we have worn the first one out. We've worn the first one out with a door that opens to receive what people have to give, and then opens again to give what people need. Church and society describes the continuing struggle to come to terms with and figure out how to live as the climate unravels. Our interfaith gathering here in October, recognizing that we are broadly in this struggle together. You'll read of amazing work to restructure our systems of financial accountability and a heartfelt effort to use faithfully the resources entrusted to our care for the good of the world in the name of Jesus. You'll read that this past year offerings and pledges haven't quite met what's needed to sustain the ministries of the church. And for me, for me that's a sign that we are putting to full use that which has been entrusted to our care and also a nudge that maybe this year we may need to think carefully, intentionally, and have conversation about stewardship and abundance and growth. You'll read in the annual report of our continuing anti-racism work and learning as it has evolved into learning from and in partnership with our neighbors in Marin City. Learning as a predominantly white community how to listen better to black community leadership, how to come alongside as they lead our shared work toward anti-racist solutions. You'll read of this vibrant life of worship, our spring and advent choir services, a packed house for the children's Christmas Eve pageant, the weekly beauty of Natsuko's and the choir's music, our flowers, the new projection system as we both sustain tradition and progress and grow into even more expansive community. 
you'll read of the vitality of the preschool and this community's ministries to children and families. You'll read of continuing thought and prayer and work to build partnerships that might let this be a place of accompaniment and a shelter for refugees. This is all to name just a few. As I read and edited those breathless reports, I was filled with gratitude and awe. And with my pastor's heart, I also have just a little concern that we take care not to stretch ourselves too thin, that we not wear out these bodies where we need the good news to come to life. Now, now I am not saying, and I know you wouldn't hear me saying, because you know me, that we relent at doing urgently needed good in the world, or that we slack off, or that we claim the rest of the privilege. That's not an option. But Jesus moved at a breathless pace, and Jesus took a breath. Jesus took a breath, never forgetting that there was a world to heal and to change, but always in the name of a God who loves human bodies. A God who desires human wholeness and health, our work and our replenishing, our work and our worship and prayer. They are not either or, they are one rhythm, one flowing into the other, one whole life. So I have two invitations for this week. You can do this with your annual report in hand as you read and delight in it, or in your imagination. But as you read through the annual report and as you think of our life in this community and your experience of it, first, just notice what is shimmering for you. What gives you energy? What draws you in? What calls you out? I want to be a part of this. Or what calls out, oh, this is something where I have a skill I can bring. Or what makes you curious to find out more? There is worthy work to do in the name of Jesus for the good of the world. What can you bring? And then also, please also ask, Where and how can I take a breath? How can we together? I've shared that taking up a daily mindfulness practice has been transformative me these past two years. Ten minutes a day to be fully present before the day rushes in. Or the the rhythm of reading scripture in the morning or engaging in a daily practice of gratitude or our regular rhythm of worship or being together for meals and for fun. Taking time to be fully present with each other, to get to know each other in a troubled world, ever in need, what will replenish us to remain engaged in the blessing and joy of worthy work. Okay, now before we leave the scripture, before we go back out into the rain, let's spend just a little more time with this woman we've been calling Simon Peter's mother-in-law. And it's just driving me crazy that she's nameless in the story. So let's imagine that she's got a good Jewish name, maybe Miriam. 
When we meet Miriam, she is flat on her back, down with a fever, and she hears at the gates of her home a commotion, the rumble of voices, and Simon, Peter, and Andrew and their friends enter her room. Good Lord! And Jesus. And Jesus walks over to Miriam, sick on her bed, and he takes her by the hand, and healing pulses through her body. The fever breaks, her strength returns all in the gentle touch of calloused hands. And still holding her hand, Jesus raises her up. And Miriam is fully there, she is fully present. She is back and the house is hers again. You all get out of my room and I'll get you something to eat. And Miriam does and they talk and they laugh. She likes this Jesus. And as the sun starts to go down, they hear a crowd at the door. At first, just a few people, but soon, the whole city. Miriam looks to Simon Peter, and she says, Go tell the household to get some more food going. We have mouths to feed. And she says, Jesus, you can have the courtyard, but these folks are coming in one at a time. I don't want a mob scene. Andrew and the rest of you, you come with me. These people are sick and they are hurting. We need to make sure that the weakest can get to the door first. Make them as comfortable as you can. We want them to feel welcome. And this house, her house, it becomes a place of healing and of love what does this reign of God look like, this restructuring of power? Well, maybe, just maybe, it looks like this. There are scholars who note that throughout Mark, it seems like Jesus has a home base. That there's some place he keeps returning, and maybe it was Miriam's house. A healing place where Jesus feels safe to return and to rest and to replenish so that he can keep moving forward. And in those mornings during those times when Jesus stays there, very early while it's still dark and everyone else is sleeping, Jesus heads down to the kitchen where he finds Miriam sitting in silence, resting up for the day ahead. She has prepared some food for him to take into the wilderness where she knows by now he is going to pray. But first they just sit there together in the quiet company of a kindred spirit. And then Miriam says softly, you need to go. They'll be coming for you, those disciples of yours. And Jesus laughs. And Jesus takes Miriam by the hand. And the world takes a breath. And together, they raise each other up.